receive this word. Psalm 147. David writes, Praise the Lord, how good it is to sing praises to our God, how pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers up the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble, but casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with grateful praise. Make music to our God on the harp. He covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain and makes grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor is delight in the legs of the warrior. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Extol the Lord, Jerusalem. Praise your God, Zion. He strengthens the bars of your gates and blesses your people within you. He grants peace to your borders and satisfies you with the finest of wheat. He sends his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He spreads like the snow like wool and scatters the frost like ashes. He hurls down his hail like pebbles. Who can withstand his icy blast? He sends his word and melts them. He stirs up his breezes and the waters flow. He has revealed his word to Jacob, his laws and decrees to Israel. He has done this for no other nation. They do not know his laws. Praise the Lord. May God add his blessing to his word. Please, you can be seated. I want to begin with this question. What is on your playlist this morning? What songs do you listen to on Spotify or maybe in your iTunes folder on your phone? I suspect if we were to go around this room even, this is probably a pretty eclectic group. Uh, we might have people who prefer classical music or some good old-fashioned rock and roll. We might have some who love hip-hop. I don't know if we have any of those folks here, or, or maybe it's country. Southern gospel, or maybe you just like jazz. And my playlist depends on my mood. If, if I'm on vacation and we're traveling somewhere, I have a summer fun playlist. That's what I call it. And I can drive to that thing for hours. And if I'm in my office and I'm just working on a message, typically it's some instrumental worship music. If I want to make my wife angry, I listen to Shania Twain. And if I'm really needing some sleep, I go to our website and I click on sermons and I listen to Pastor, I won't, I won't say his name, okay? I'll just let you fill in the blank. But you get, you get the idea. Well, we've, we've been here in a series where we are considering the Psalms. And the book of Psalms is really a playlist, a, 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 a playlist of songs of worship. So the last couple of weeks, we have focused on different types of Psalms of lament. The Psalms of lament help us to cry. They help us to cry out to God. 
that first week we talked about the Psalms of Confession. And so we talked about what it takes for us to, and, and, and the beauty of having the Psalms of Confession are that when, when we are struck by our own sin and we understand the severity of that sin, the Psalms become an avenue, a tool by which we can use to, to express our own grief and our own repentance. Last week we talked about the Psalm of Suffering, and there are several of these. And they help us to move from despair to hope. But this morning, I want us to draw our attention to the Psalms of Praise and Thanksgiving. And if you go through this book, there are lots of them. In fact, uh, if you think about it, you'll find that, that many of these, of course, were written by David, who, 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 who gives us these psalms. But what you find when you discover the Psalms of Praise and the Psalms of Thanksgiving is just how often he just kind of loses himself in focusing on the majesty of God. And, and, and in a sense then, what we hope to experience even this morning is, is it becomes an invitation for us to get lost too. Now, this morning we read Psalm 147. But it's kind of interesting to me that the last five songs in the book of Psalms, so that's Psalm 146, 147, 148, 49, and 150, each begin with the same opening and closing line. In Hebrew, the word is simply hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, you've heard that. You hear people yell out, hallelujah, when they're excited about something. It literally means praise the Lord, praise the Lord. So we have these five chapters, and so they form, in a sense, a cohesive unit at the conclusion of the book of Psalms. And each of these songs are just replete with reminders of what we can actually praise the Lord about. And that's where I'd like to focus our minds this morning. Years ago, there was a Christian song by an artist named Larry Bryant. And the lyrics of the song kind of took a playful jab at Christians and how we often overdose and are always asking God for things. And the song was entitled, Shopping List. And the word said this, it said, Lord, you've been so good to me, how could I ask for more? But since you said to ask, I will, because what else is prayer for? The cattle on a thousand hills, they all belong to you. I don't need any cows right now, but something else might do. Give me this. I want that. Bless me, Lord, I pray. Grant me what I think I need to make it through the day. Make me wealthy. Keep me healthy. Fill in what I miss on my never-ending shopping list. I wonder how many of us approach God that way. Now, of course, we're called to make our request known to God. God is a loving Father. We sang about that today. And he delights in, in allowing his children to experience grace and mercy and beauty, just as I delight as a dad in giving my children good things. But sometimes our worship becomes almost secondary to our preoccupation with our own physical, financial, and relational wants and needs. And just speaking personally now, if 
truth is, if I'm not careful and deliberate, it's really easy for me to get self-focused and selfish and just ask for stuff for me. So there's this danger that that that's what our prayers become, a laundry list, a shopping list of things for God to do so I will be happy. But I want you to notice, if you would read through these psalms, these are not about asking God to do something. David, in a passage like this, gives us a list of things that God has already done and is in fact doing. For instance, David says he heals the brokenhearted and binds up the wounded. I kind of spent some time just thinking about that for a few minutes, and I realized something. Some of you this morning may indeed be coming in here with a broken heart, and you have our compassion and our concern. But I wonder how many of us who are in here and who are listening through our live stream, how many of us have had our hearts broken? And we can say, you know what? God has mended us. We were there once. We thought, man, I'll never make it. I'll never be able to navigate through this pain. It's just too much for me. The joy will never return. And yes, there are scars and there are memories, but the gift of grace and time and truth, powered by God's assurance and hope, has allowed us to move on from that brokenness. He's mended our broken heart. And yes, sometimes mending, think about it, takes time. It doesn't happen often in an instant. But the fact that we're here and we can say, I rejoice and my heart has been healed, that is a sign of God's love for us and his mercy. And some of us, if we would go row by row, could attest to that very thing. And as a result, we should praise him. I notice in this passage that David talks about the peace of a nation. He says, the Lord builds up Jerusalem. He makes peace in your borders. He satisfies you with the finest wheat. I thought about over the course of these last few months in our own country and how we've seen our nation and our especially our, our cities rocked in violence. And of course, over these last few months, we've faced COVID and all of that. The, God, the sign of God's blessing is often stability and security. And I think all too often, we've already, almost always, just kind of take for granted how peace and prosperity in our own nation is just assumed. For instance, we've always had peaceful transitions of power. We assume we will do it again. But that is not true in every nation. And while we have experienced times of war and, yes, had to send our men and women across the world, we've never experienced the trauma of war on our own shores. And we forget how blessed we are. For all her faults, how grateful every one of us should be this morning that we have the privilege of living in this land. Thank you, God, for the United States and the freedoms we enjoy. 
David in this passage here talks about the cold and the snow. We're going to see some of that soon, I'm sure. But then he says, then he talks about the heat that melts it. He reminds us that God speaks and it happens. The other night I was coming home from church. I think it was Wednesday night, actually, after the congregational meeting. And there was just this magnificent crescent moon. The most magnificent crescent moon I think I'd ever seen. Just over I-480 as I was driving west. It was huge and beautiful. And I couldn't help but be drawn to think of the majesty of God. You know, that that moon didn't get there by itself. God called it forth at the very beginning of creation. And then I realized something. God had called me forth. He spoke me into existence. You and I were purposefully and lovingly put on this earth. Here's the kicker. This is amazing to me. When the moon ends... I'll still be shining. In Psalm 146, David reminds us that only God can save. God alone can can be our Savior. He says in 146, verse 3, Do not put your trust in princes and mortal men who cannot save. I think that's our tendency so often to think that there's an earthly answer for life's problems. So, We put our hope in sports heroes or political leaders, the wealthy, the influential, the the attractive. But of course, they can only help us to the extent that God allows them to. The salvation they offer is only but temporary. But think about it. Lower taxes versus having my entire sin debt completely wiped out. There is no comparison. Or a wise and loving physician who takes a role in trying to lengthen my life. Well, well, thank you very much. You might give me maybe five more years, and that's wonderful. But it is no comparison to the praise due to the great physician who can enable us to live for eternity in heaven. He is the only one who can truly save us from what we need to be saved from. Our God is worthy of our praise. And so 146 verse 10 says, The Lord reigns forever. Praise the Lord. Of his kingdom there is no end. So we should praise God because he alone can save. But I want you to think about this with me this morning. Secondly, God created us to praise him. Psalm 147 begins with this same phrase, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. One of the things that we have to realize as we grow in our faith as Christians is that we are becoming ourselves most when we learn to praise God. In Psalm 148, David calls all of creation to praise him. Verse 5, he begins, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for in his command they were created, and he established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you you great sea creatures and all ocean depths. 
lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountain and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and women, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name is exalted. Listen, if you've ever been to a concert, and I know some of you have, if you've ever been to an Ohio State game or an Indians game during the playoffs, you know what praise looks like. You know what it feels like. I have a rather an important and, and exciting announcement for our family uh, to make uh, this morning. Some of you may have seen this on Facebook, but my son, Caleb, my oldest son, has now engaged uh, to a lovely girl from Indiana. Got engaged uh, last week or so. Uh, her name is Megan Jones, and Mary and I are terribly excited about the whole thing. We think it's really, really great. And uh, they've they, uh, been doing some thinking about wedding dates and all of this. And, and uh, this week they announced that the, the anticipated date is September 29th, 2021. Now, uh, I, I think that's great, but it, it is a bit unfortunate because as I checked the Ohio State schedule, they, they're playing Akron that, that day. So I was hoping to make Caleb's wedding, but... Uh, I, you know, that was the plan, but uh, choices and priorities and all those kinds of things. But one of the things that is so odd about watching games this year, at least for me, especially when it comes to Big Ten football, is, of course, the fact that there are no fans in the stadium. And, and I, I think that's one of the reasons that sometimes Ohio State will come out and they're, they're just ready to go, and they'll do so well. But as the game progresses, they, they just kind of lose energy. It's remarkable what the fans bring to the experience and to the game itself. Now, they've resorted in these stadiums to these silly cutout posters. Maybe you've seen them. They'll have hundreds of them, thousands even, that they put in the seats, and then they try to pipe in this really corny and artificial crowd noise. Because we know that when it comes to a game, boy, if it's a Michigan-Ohio State game, you don't have to let someone come out before the game and take a microphone and say, hey, listen, uh, can I have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, I, I just need to go over a few things. In a few minutes, they're going to turn on the TV cameras, and millions of people are going to be watching, and you in the stands, you need to act like you really care about this game. You really need to, 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 to give us something here. So pick a team, and I want you to cheer for them, and, and when I say cheer, it might be a good idea to stand up once in a while or, or shout something once in a while. Is that okay? Just occasionally what we call cheer and shout. If your team scores, we need you to shout even louder, as, as loud as you can, and make it look like you're happy. If the entire team uh, uh, gets, a, gets a break, goes their way, you scream and shout. If something doesn't go your team's way, then it's okay to boo and, and make noise that way. Some of you were in drama class. You remember in high school. You know how to do this. If your team loses... Cry a little. Just, just make it. Just put your emotions into it. 
Well, of course, we don't have to do that, do we? When it comes to those things. Because praise and emotion is second nature. We don't need a class. We don't need a tutorial on YouTube. A kickoff in an intense game, it's bedlam. It's noise. It's shouting. It's energy. You don't need to teach enthusiasm and loyalty and passion to a stadium. No. And by the same token, it seems to me, we shouldn't have to teach that to the church. If we have experienced grace and mercy, forgiveness and reconciliation with God, if we have experienced his love and his hope, rejoicing and thanksgiving and praise and adoration ought to just flow from us. One time, you'll remember that Jesus was at really a, a height of his popularity as he goes into Jerusalem. We call it the triumphal entry, as a matter of fact, and you remember the scene. He comes into Jerusalem, and in Luke chapter 19, he's there with his disciples, and the disciples just start saying, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the crowd begins to chant the same, and they begin to sing, and they're standing there, and they form a line, and they have their palms raised in the air. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And you remember that the Pharisees are watching, and they get hacked off because they know Jesus is a threat to their power and their very small understanding of God. And the Pharisees say to him, rebuke and silence your disciples. Jesus, this is inappropriate. It should not be done. And Jesus looks at them, and he says, I can silence them, but the very rocks will cry out. The rocks will praise me. How often do we as Christians leave it to the rocks? Psalm 150, verse 6 says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. We ought to do that, COVID or no COVID. That's why we come together. It's essential. Whether we're on live stream or we're here in person, there's something within us that's only complete when we are able to praise the Lord. People say to me, Jeff, what is this world coming to? And, and I've asked that question too. I mean, things are out of kilter. Truth is seen as falsehood, good is bad, bad is good. And they'll ask me, what do you think the world is coming to? But I keep coming back to this. I know what the world is coming to. The world is coming to a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's what the world is coming to. It's a certainty. That's where we're headed. And so on this side, I want to be in practice, and I want to be ready, and I want to be able to sing his glory and praise.
Now, I know some people think heaven has to be boring because if all that is, is filled with praise to God, how exciting can that be? I think the truth is heaven will be so exciting because we will be enraptured with the discovery and wonder of all that God is and continues to be. It will be glory. Moment by moment, we will be in awe. But here's my question for us. Is, it, is praise a daily part of our prayer? Do you pause to just give God thanks for what he's done? Do you take the time to adore him for who he is? Or is prayer just merely an end, a repetitive attempt to try and get what you want? When was the last time you sang or you prayed, praise the Lord? Because for the Christian, this is our destiny. I couldn't help think of that old Wesley hymn, Love Divine, All Love Excelling. The last verse, Wesley describes what it will be like for us in heaven. He says this, Finish then thy new creation, pure and spotless let us be. Let us see thy great salvation, perfectly restored in thee. Change from glory into glory, till in heaven we take our place, till we cast our crowns before thee. And I love that last line. Lost in wonder, love. When was the last time you got lost in love, wonder, and praise? Maybe this morning, here, now, as we come to this table? I got a phone call. Well, actually, Mary got a phone call last night. My uh, sons were coming up, uh, Joshua and Caleb, or Joshua and Micah, were driving up from their uh, University of Asbury, come home for, for the holiday, and uh, they were bringing all their stuff, they were going through Columbus, and they got, uh, Mary got the call and said, Mom, uh, there's been an accident, and uh, they had totaled the car, he had run into somebody in construction, and uh, didn't give them probably assured clear distance and those kinds of things. And of course, the dad and me, my initial reaction is, how's the car, you know? But uh, um, the car's no more, but I have my sons. And I am so thankful. And I need to acknowledge that. Praise the Lord. And the truth is, I have them forever because they know Jesus Christ. And no matter families being separated because of this COVID or Thanksgiving or whatever, I know this, there is a table that we can all come to. And there is a table we will all come to one day when we're gathered in heaven. And he sets that table before us and we will forever rejoice at that supper that he has prepared.
We practice that today. But even in this moment, may we be lost in wonder, love, and praise. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads right now and just go before the Lord. And would you just express to him, in whatever way you need to, your love and thanksgiving for whatever it is that's on your heart today and tell him thank you. Father, we just we just come before you right now. We sing, praise the Lord, hallelujah. We thank you for mending broken hearts. We thank you for the privilege of living in this land, the freedom. We thank you for doctors and nurses and those who have worked so diligently toward treatments and vaccinations to combat this COVID pandemic. I thank you for those glimpses of grace Thank you, Lord, that you are on your throne today. And I pray that, Lord, you would hear our thoughts, our prayers. That, Lord, we would not be competing with rocks this morning. But we would willfully and joyfully acknowledge how good you are. What a gracious and wonderful God. We think of such a great salvation that Jesus who entered into Jerusalem and they shouted out, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But we also know that, Lord, how fickle we are. And at times, Lord, that same crowd in a few days would be crying out, crucify him. Crucify him. Lord, you are good. And you came to die on the cross that we might have deliverance from sin. May we never forget the joy of understanding that great salvation. That we can be delivered. Just take a moment and maybe the band would like to play a little bit. And let's just go before the Lord and just in reflection and mercy and grace, may he, may he allow us to acknowledge and praise him.